0: I talk about everything media, marketing, and PR on this podcast, and I have for a few years now, but one thing I have not touched on until today is crisis communications, and you'll hear why. I really always just said, oh, these are for the bigger guys. These aren't for the little guys like me. Ah, wrong. It is for the little guys like you and me, so you are going to love this episode. We talk about Kim Kardashian. We talk about Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, Um, who else? Drew Barrymore, oh, and Raquel from Vanderpump Rules. We are talking about it all because for some reason, people are not getting crisis communications correct nowadays. And we are going to dig into specific examples that you know of, why they're getting it wrong, how they're getting it wrong, how you can prepare for a crisis. Like there are things that you can do right now. I want you to put time in your calendar this week to do these five things to prepare for a crisis. And then when something happens, Linda from Muckrack is going to share five A's, the five things you need to do to handle a crisis. And it's so simple but brilliant that I am like kicking myself for not even discussing crisis communication sooner on the Become a Media Maven podcast. As you know, everything that we talk about here. You can find in the show notes, just go to becomeamediamaven.com. That's also where you can subscribe to the podcast. And that is also where you can leave a rating or review. You can do that in Apple or Spotify. Would love you to do so. We'll shout you out. We'll share what you are talking about here on the podcast. So please do so if you have not already. And one more thing before we get into my interview with Linda, please make sure you're subscribed to my newsletter. Every Thursday, I send out some strategies that will rock your world. I am sharing media opportunities. I am sharing success stories, like super specific. You know it doesn't get more transparent than what I'm sending you every Thursday. To do that, just go to MediaMavenNews.com and every Thursday morning, you will get not just a little extra From an episode, you will also get a look at what's happening in the next podcast episode. I'm doing free book giveaways. I am sharing so much there. I love my little newsletter, and I hope you love it too. So check it out at MediaMavenNews.com. And here we go. Here is everything you need to know about crisis communications with Linda Zebian. So before recording this episode, I was one of those people who did not have a communications plan. And I'm hoping at the end of this, I will. And this is why I have always assumed that crisis communications and planning for it was something for those bigger businesses. But in a world of social media, where like one thoughtless tweet could totally derail everything you worked for. It's not really like that anymore, right? Like, So can you explain the mindset behind this? Because a lot of my listeners are solopreneurs. They have a small team if they have a team at all. And they're probably like me with no crisis communications plan.
1: Right, right. Well, so I think we live in a world where um, crisis is daily, right? Um, crisis happen all the time because, like you said, social media gives um, every consumer a voice and a platform to disseminate information. Um, <clears throat> so even an opinion, right, a point of view from, from a customer or your, an audience, um, someone in your audience can, can, can get out there. And if it's negative, it's going to impact your brand, whether big or small. And I think the reality is, is that, you know, people are looking to associate themselves with and, and kind of share identity with brands they can trust and um, brands that align with their values and their beliefs. And so um, that makes, uh, if you're a brand, it makes it all much harder to, to um, ensure that, um, you know, you're avoiding a crisis as much as possible.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I've seen that, like, to use Hobby Lobby as an example. They are very religious. They don't give their employees birth control, like, things like that. And I have seen a lot of people say, oh, I won't shop at Hobby Lobby because of this. And that's maybe not a crisis communications thing. That's more, like you said, the point of view that could impact your brand. So tell me when something is actually considered a crisis, because like I think anybody who's active on social media, like I'm one who has no filter. I will say whatever anytime, and people will come for me on social, but I don't think I've ever had a crisis. So when do you consider something like, oh, we just have some people disagreeing with a post to, oh, maybe this is something that is going to actually impact my business on a larger scale instead of just losing one customer here or there.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I've written about this um, for the MuckRack blog and and I think, you know, the question you ask yourself is, does this have the potential to significantly impact our brand reputation long-term? And if the answer is yes, you're in a crisis. And the answer could be at first, no, or maybe you still have to watch it, right? It could still, like turn into a crisis quite easily actually so that's kind of the, the the gold standard in my opinion okay that makes sense and
0: it can turn into a crisis easily because we've seen like how quick things can spread on social media and that can be scary for anybody even a super small business owner or a solopreneur like i said um and i've always been of the mindset and this is where you're going to change my mind in this episode why not just wait till something happens to develop a crisis communication plan because we could be like oh well i don't even know how to respond because this thing hasn't happened yet so tell us how we can prepare now and i know you have something called the five a's that you can get into but i want you to share some key elements something that i can go and open up a google folder and start having a plan, some key elements for crisis communications before anything happens, like break it all down.
1: Yeah, definitely. So yes, there is what you can do to prepare for a crisis. And then what I call the five A's are what you do when you're facing a crisis. So in terms of preparing for a, cl- a crisis, there are absolutely things you can do. The first is um, create some kind of playbook to prepare um, you if you're just, it's just you. Still need a playbook. If it's you and your team, um, all the more reason to have a, a playbook. And um, the bigger the team, the the more reason, you know, the the more I think a playbook is needed um, in terms of organization and um, getting everybody on the same page. When time is of the essence, because that's the biggest thing in a crisis. Is your biggest enemy is time. So. um, <clears throat> If you're in a larger organization you need to create a working group right you need to know who's going to be involved in the crisis um process the decision process um, you need to know where you're going to meet and how you're going to meet if you're um, everyone's kind of scattered around you and you're a remote or digital you know company what zoom link are you going to use is there a um, are you gonna you know use a certain slack channel if you're on slack um what's everybody's cell phone number how do I text Uh, my lawyer, right? Like, do you have all your ducks in a row? And you can put all that stuff in one place, folder, document, Excel sheet, whatever you use so that when you're super stressed and like, you're not sure how to handle the crisis, everything is there for you. So you don't have to spend time searching around or gathering people or, you know, trying to find somebody's cell phone number because they're on vacation say. Um, So that's the first thing. Um, and then you want to name somebody too, like a crisis, um, a crisis project manager that will direct all the traffic. It could just be you, right. Um, but if you have more than one person or you're involved, say with, you have an investor or you, um, are involved in the, in another organization, like how, when do you bring those people in, um, and who's running point on that? Because it's, it's even though, you know, and who from your client, if you're a solo practitioner, like, like. You know, how high do you go? How low do you go in terms of the the hierarchy of your client's business? So then what you want to do is you want to definitely explore possible scenarios. What could happen that could be a crisis for my business or my client's business, right? Um, And some people say scenarios are silly because you can never predict what's going to happen. But I think if you know your business well enough, you might know, right? You might be able to predict what could happen. Somebody could get injured. On your property, an employee could go uh, say something on social that, that's uncomfortable. You might be able to see that something might happen. Something might happen when you're afraid it's going to leak out, right? You may, it may be just kind of, you're, you're just kind of hanging on to it until you're waiting until something might happen. You could have a security breach. Um, there's all sorts of things that could happen. So um, again, it's, do you have does this have the potential to significantly ap- um, impact our brand reputation long-term? If yes, act take action. If no, we watch and wait. Um, or you can arrange, you can create kind of like a crisis matrix where you bucket your crises. So it could be based on severity level, low, medium, high. Um, and then you can figure out, you know, what to do in those kinds of scenarios. Um, and I think that I do think that it's, that it is helpful. Um, and then I think, um, the, the key to it all is that facts to speed ratio. So getting the facts straight is the most important part. But the hardest part is balancing that fact-finding phase with the time that passes, right? So the longer you wait, the more heated an issue can become, the more upset your audiences can be. That could be your employees. That can be the public. Um, Everyone's kind of waiting around for you to say something. However, my my motto is when in doubt, move slower and get it right because you do not want to have to course correct. So the other thing you can do is release a holding statement, right? You're in the fact-finding process, you're really not sure what happened, but everybody's waiting for you to say something. And a holding statement can work with your employees, it can work with the public, right? You just say, it's kind of just like a, hey, we're acknowledging this is happening, we're looking into it, um, and we'll we'll be back, right? Just just stay tuned. That will save you some time to go and, and find your facts. That
0: is genius. And you know what that makes me think of? This was probably a year ago. Kim Kardashian teamed up with some designer. I don't remember which one it was. Maybe Balenciaga. And they got in trouble for some things that were in the background of of pictures. And like she's obviously not part of the set design. She was the model. But because we all know who she is, people were coming for her. Like, how could you work for people? who are, you know, putting this this child pornography paraphernalia in these sets. And she did not say anything for the longest time. And people were coming for her because she didn't say anything. And then when she finally said something, she said that she wasn't saying anything because she was gathering all of the information so she could know how to respond. And more people were upset that she just took so long to say anything. So this, like, speaks to
1: that point 100% exactly yeah so all well, she had to probably do and she and they would come for her regardless what I would if I was her publicist which is hilarious because I uh, you know but anyway if I was a publicist I'd say listen let's just put something out there let's just say oh my gosh you know these um this is shocking information I'm gonna go back to my team and figure out what happened and I'll let you guys know. simple yeah
0: you that would have made mean? a huge difference
1: yeah yeah I agree
0: so. and that's the holding statement that you're talking that's about a
1: holding statement Yeah.
0: okay so now i have
1: a lot of things i need
0: to do to prepare now let's go into the five a's which is how to handle something when it happens and again it could be something that you don't do but something you're associated with like the kim kardashian example or you could have an independent contractor or a va who goes out and says some crazy things on the internet and you are guilty by association, and we've seen that happen so much. So, if this happens, what do we do?
1: So when i when I think of when I think of horses, I think of these five A's, and I don't. And, and they and and they are assess, acknowledge, apologize, activate, and adjust and um if you if you think of them all together they actually work really really well together and they and if you and then this is for when you were prepared you got all your stuff yeah you know, your your scenarios your working groups in place you get everybody's number you know what to do okay so your crisis comes your way so you start with the assess phase which is that that moment where you're like i need to figure out what happened so you're gathering the facts um this takes time and uh you may not be able to get the information up front in um, time before you move to the second phase, which is acknowledge. So acknowledgement of what happened is not admittance. And I think that people need to remember that. And hey, listen, we work in PR. We work with big personalities, right? Reputation is everything for these gigantic companies. Um, but it can be as simple as this holding statement, right? We are aware this happened and we're looking into it. Um, and, and you can also recognize the impact, right? Like we're aware this happened, we understand this is painful news to hear, right? And we're looking into it. Just acknowledge people's feelings, whether they're it's pain, it's fear, it's outrage, whatever it is. That's helpful. People just want to be like acknowledged and heard, right? So that's your holding statement. So during that acknowledge acknowledgement phase, you can um, buy more time for the next three phases. Which are assess, apologize, and and activate. Um, so, I would say in this phase, this acknowledge phase, you should not respond to any media queries. No one should be talking to the press. This is time to put them either put the holding statement out on social, or you can just blast the so um, the holding statement out to a couple of like you know your friendly reporters or people who are following your business closely, and then people will pick up their stories, right?
0: And something um, I like about this is that it's a holding statement that actually says something. It's not a no comment because to me, yeah, no comment. When people hear that, they're like, "Oh, you're guilty." Like that's what yeah. that's what I think. And I'm I was a reporter for so many years, and I'm in PR. And whenever I hear no comment, it has a negative connotation. So the holding statement is so much better. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's just like it's a human. It's a human. Like let's all be humans. Is my theory. Like we're all human. PR people are humans. For journalists are humans. The public, we're hu we're humanity. Let's um. No comment is cold, right? Um. It can tend to be cold. There are situations where I do think no comment is is appropriate, or like you know I can't speak to that right now, right? Like, and that's um. I think if you're caught in a situation where you haven't, you know, put out, you haven't determined even you haven't even determined you can't even verify that there's been a problem yet. You know what I mean? Like you're not even, you haven't even assessed at all. Right? you've assessed and you've got some information, it's a, you know then then I think you can prepare a holding statement. So um, moving on to apologize. So um, <laughs> if, the, if the assess process does um, discover faults, um, by, by your organization, like a basic apology is so key to brand rescue. It like goes back to like the playground, right? Just apologize to your sister and your sister will be okay. Right. So um and, and it's not always easy to convince leadership um like a board, for example, that an apology is the best route. Um but I do think that it that, that simple is better and empathy again and humility like actually increase brand affinity. Right. If you're gonna be a hardliner, people might be a little turned off. But if you know you can show that again, um, that you made a mistake or something happened, it was out of your control, just apologize. Um you can use your own media, you can use social media, you can use earned media to communicate. Um just make sure that that message is consistent across the board. And then I think in the apologize phase is when you also begin to respond to media inquiries. And in terms of like what you say, I, you know, I do, I think it should be like between one and three points, right. We we talk about, especially for broadcast, like, um, easy to remember snackable sound bites. So um, I think three max, Um, Is the easiest for your spokesperson to remember, it's easiest for the journalists to erect to, to engage in, and it's easier, easy for the public to remember. Okay, I like that. That's good. And
0: I feel like also apologizing, like going back to the Kim Kardashian example, it's Kim didn't do anything wrong. She was just associated. So like what would her, and, and everybody came after her, what would her apology be? Because she really Mm -hmm. didn't do anything wrong. You know, like, I feel like there's so much trickiness and guilt. There's so much, like, guilty by association situations happening.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, You know, you could say, like, I'm so sorry that my – that I was involved in such a campaign. Even though I wasn't, you know, I had no idea. I was, you know, I had no idea this was going on or this was going to be photoshopped in or whatever the situation was. I don't know if like the child pornography thing was like on set with her or they put it in later. But, you know, she, I just think transparency, right? Like I had, if I had known, um, I would just never have done that. And I'm so sorry for any pain that may have caused any everybody. And I, I never want my fans or anyone to feel like I would, been doing this kind of
0: you know thing yeah and I feel like the key thing you said there was transparency because I feel like and 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 this is also where I believe smaller businesses have a better advantage than the bigger ones because the bigger ones they have lawyers and they've got too many chefs in the kitchen and it takes forever for them to get anything out and they are very um apt to second guess what they're going to put out there when if you're a one-man show you can be as transparent as you want to be, and the more transparent, the better. You don't have to answer to a lot of people when it comes to sharing, like, listen, this is what really happened and giving people a behind-the-scenes, and I think a lot of people in the public appreciate that a lot better.
1: Yeah, and I think the public is getting real smart about knowing how these kinds of things work. Right, we've all watched Succession, <laughs> you know. We we know, you know, what a cover up is, and we know um, when an organization is being transparent. And I think that also kind of leads us into the activate phase, right? So in the activate phase, you you have your you you make a move, right, or you make a declaration for how you're going to fix what happened or how to prevent it from happening again. So like, we deeply regret our products were the cause of this food poisoning outbreak. We're so sorry that our customers got ill from our ice cream. Right. And then you quickly follow it up with an activation statement. like, We're launching an investigation into our sanitation process and our freezers to ensure we approach food safety with the highest. standards." That's what people want to hear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'm, I'm, i got food poisoning. What are you going to do about it, dude? You know, they want people to put their tail between their legs and, and say, Listen, we're going to look into this so that it never, ever happens again. If you don't do that, no one's going to go to your ice cream store. You know what I mean? You've got to do that, not just to appease your customer and the public, but to save your business.
0: Yeah. And I think we saw Drew Barrymore recently do this. She was going to start production, and then you have the SAG strike. And she – I mean, everybody – loves drew Barrymore more like she is the cutest sweetest thing ever and i think she was just trying to help but she realized that by trying to help it was having like a bad effect and then she released that video on social everybody lost their marbles and then she like deleted it and took it back and then she said why she took it back like that was a pr mess and you can tell she didn't have PR guidance. And she even said that in the video. And a lot of, a lot of people in the industry were like, well, that's why we're here. We would help you like prevent any of that from happening. But she did eventually activate and she made her declaration, which was, okay, like I take it all back and this is why. And I felt like, and she's a very transparent person just in general. And I felt like her apology was well-received because of how transparent she was and why she did it and why she was changing her mind in my opinion ashton exactly. kutcher and mila Kunas right now not
1: so much right because it didn't feel genuine for them and i think for drew i think that i mean, it's so classic right you don't people you know either out of ignorance or ego think that they don't need counsel from a pr person right I'll go to a lawyer for counsel, but they're like, oh, I can do this. This is just like communication. This is just like relationships and people. I can, I'm a great people person. I can do this. People like me. I'm, I'm confident in my choices. No, man. Like we live, sleep, eat, breathe these the media, right? We understand. We can spot landmines. Around, we can look around corners that you don't see because you're looking at other things and that's cool. You're really, really good at running a company, but you're not really, really good at preventing a crisis that's what I'm here for so don't bring me in to clean up your mess you know get me in early let's build let's build a relationship so close like for Drew she should have such a close relationship with her publicist but she's probably never faced an issue before because she's so lovely and delightful but even for the most lovely and delightful you can get in hot water so you know get that relationship going where so that they can be in your head a little bit. And you guys can be on the same page at all times to prepare for something like this so that you're not like going rogue on social. Social is amazing. It's such a tool like for celebrities and stuff, you know, right? They have the, this great platform, but it also can really hurt them when they're, you know, making a video in their sh- in their bathroom crying it, without like any oversight from from their PR person. And it's not about, you know, covering things up or fluffing things up or spinning it. It's just how can we make this better? How can we make this, how could this be perceived? Because you may not see yourself the way the public might see it. So that's all. It's just, it's just like thoughtful counsel. Yeah. I love that. And then the last A is adjust. And I assume this is where we
0: put the activation into, into play and we see the adjustment of what we said
1: in that activation. Exactly. It's put your money where your mouth is, make that activation happen I think a lot of companies might drag their feet on it, obviously, because it wasn't a priority before the crisis and uh, it may not still be a priority, but you bet, can bet your bottom dollar that your the, your customers, the media, they will check in on you. They wanna know, they want the data, they want to see it. Um, and they want to make sure that you're, you're honest and delivering on your promises. And I think the other part of the adjust phase is analyzing how your crisis response went, right? What went well, what didn't, what actions need to be taken prepare for the next one
0: i love that and i agree i feel like we we i feel like we miss the adjust phase for a couple of reasons when we're just like viewing a crisis one we miss it because the drama is more engaging and that's what we pay more attention to and two we miss it because i feel like a lot of brands don't really adjust they they do steps one through four and they don't follow up On five because they think nobody's looking.
1: Exactly, but but people are looking. Your employees number one are looking. Number two, the media is looking. And number three, your your is looking. So you got three important. And then you you have investors. You have a board. Those are you know, those are two other gigantic influences on your on the on the health and the future of your of your organization. So. It's really, really important that that, um, that working group, that, that manager of the crisis, sees see, it see through. And And as a PR pro, you know, our job is to really get leadership and executives to understand how important brand reputation is. Regardless if you are a corner store or a giant conglomerate, you know, it runs the gamut reputation from the local level to the global level is so is really important to to the health and the future of your business.
0: And on that fifth point too, now we have SEO. So when people search your your name, your company name, whatever, are they going to see the scandal or are they going to see what happened after the scandal? So like this is like number five is like you need to do PR on that yeah. adjustment.
1: Exactly. And it's actually a great opportunity, right? Yeah. Like, what a headline, like, you know, six months after the worst, you know, food poisoning outbreak in, you know, Charlottesville, you know, ice cream company (laughs) X, um, you know, opens a new store or launches a new vegan flavor or whatever. And, 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 oh, we toured the facility. Look how, you know, clean and sanitary it is. Um, Here's what they learned. And, you know, you put your, you put, you know, your face out there and, and people love it. They love a comeback. So get your comeback going and, and PR the heck
0: out of it. I love that. Okay, last question I have for you. Journalists love trends. Like everything about getting coverage, it's got to be trending right now. It's not to be got to be newsworthy right now. When it comes to crisis communications, are there any trends you see besides the go into the most humble room of your house if you're a celebrity and record your apology video and then post it
1: on social media? Yeah, I I don't know if this is really a trend, but I do love the sit down interview. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. do love the sit down interview. Um, You know, I, I think if, you, but you gotta be really solidly media trained to do those. But I do think that, you know, those ha- carry a lot of weight and they have a lot of value, right? That morning show um, interview or the profile. You know, if you didn't wanna be on camera um, you could do you could do you know a print profile, a digital profile, and um, I think there's a lot of, of value there. You know, I think I think that's like the gold standard. I think these social media, like that's if I was Ashton and Mila, that's what I would have done, right? You know, I don't agree. want to and talk about it. Go on a podcast if you don't want to be. You know, podcasts are great too. Like you know, you can get your sound bites out there on a podcast. Like you know, go on a podcast about something else and then let them bring it up. Right, and have that be your moment where you, you know, you're talking about your new movie, but you're also, you know, you you tell the producer in advance, hey, this is okay. If they, you know, we I'm open to talking about it. It's a, it's a, it's a win win. You promote your movie and you apologize. You know who recently did that, and it was
0: terrible for them for so many reasons. Was Raquel from Vanderpump Rules? She went on Bethany's podcast, and it was so wrong for so many reasons. One, Bethany didn't even watch the show, so she was an uninformed host. And Howie Mandel did this with Tom Sandoval about the same topic. Howie Mandel did not watch the show, so he was not informed on the the entire topic he would have been talking about. And then with Raquel, she clearly did not have any PR training, and she was not remorseful, and she kept making excuses. And it was a hot mess for her and it was a bad look for her. And it was a bad look for Bethany as the host. Same with Howie Mandel and Tom Sandoval. Like terrible because again, they did it thinking that they were doing that step five and adjusting, but they were not properly trained or talked to about the purpose of that step five. Are you following me, Linda? Are you? Do you yeah, watch Pump Rules?
1: You. Um, I, I know I don't, but I know I've heard of this scandal. How could scandal? you not hear of scandal? Scandivall, <laughs> right? Scandivall. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is like, if you're going to let somebody else tell your story, you better dang make sure that that person is a professional journalist. So maybe a podcaster, I should say, you know, or a professional. Like, you know, you know, know who you're going on. Like, know what show you're going on. Yeah. Right? Or somebody somebody
0: who actually like watched the show like Bethany yes she's from Bravo but she has like a mission now on on like how Bravo treats their cast terribly so like she had an agenda going into it when the maybe a better podcaster would have been um the not skinny not fat podcast where everything she does is all about all about bravo and she's well-versed she's seen every episode she knows what's going on it was just a hot mess and to make it worse when that was a three-part series there were three different episodes
1: i'm sure because you're going to maximize that right exactly yeah yeah and i so i think like too when you're evaluating the media outlet don't just look at the reach Mm -hmm. right you know like we all get you know distracted by the gigantic numbers like i want to reach so many people with this but it, do you really or do you want to reach the right people and do you want to have like a well done production where the host knows what they're talking about um and the produce and you can potentially even work with a producer or producer host who knows what they're talking about mm-hmm.
0: oh my gosh so. such a good point okay before we say goodbye is there anything else that i should have asked that you want to touch on about crisis communications. This has been so long overdue on my podcast, by the way. I've never talked oh, about I'm this. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: Um, not at all. Um, yeah, no, I think we got it all.
0: Okay, and I will link to Muckrack in the show notes for this episode. I will also link to your LinkedIn page. Is there any any other place where people should go to learn more about you and what you do and what? What happens over there at Muckrack?
1: No, I think those those are the two best spots. Okay, awesome. awesome. Thank you, Linda. Thank you so, so much, Christina. It was a real pleasure talking about this uh, topic with you today.
0: If you want to see these written out word for word, number by number, go to becomeamediamaven.com. That is where all the show notes are for every episode. Not just this one, but all the ones in the past. becomeamediamaven.com. And remember, you can also get even more on my newsletter when you subscribe at MediaMavenNews.com. Thank you for listening. I will see you again here next week
1: on Become a Media Maven.